Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. I think I've got everybody covered. Welcome to the How Long To Beat podcast. This week, as always, I'm Rick and I'm joined by Alex and Paula. And I don't know if any of you listening have got any shiny new PlayStation or Xbox themed toys this week, but we've all had a bit of an early Christmas haul, haven't we, guys? Oh, yes, we have. (laughs) We have. We have indeed. I've bought myself... Not a shiny, but a very yellow cyberpunk-themed mouse. Paula has got a gaming hall straight from Chill Express, the refrigerated shipping company. Inside <laughs> joke. And Alex has got himself an Xbox One. How are you finding it, Alex? <laughs> an Xbox One, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got myself an Xbox what? Series I... X. <laughs> that wasn't even a joke. Their name fucking sucks. That know, wasn't even intentional. Yeah, I have a Series X and a beautiful Elite controller too. And I'm sure I will be talking about this a lot over the next couple of weeks um, because it is dominating the games that I play now. Uh, speaking of that, this week we're going to talk all about stuff that we've beaten, retired, We've got part two of our games of the generation, the handheld edition. A lovely question from the forums. We're going to talk some more about what we're playing and we'll play everyone's favorite game. How long to beat the game? Not yet trademarked, Jiggy, but soon. <laughs> uh, Paula, do you want to take it off with what you've beaten this week? Uh, I finally... Finish uh, Color Cross Malice. Mm. Um, and that's pretty much it. I had a lot of fun with this replay, not gonna lie. And uh, Wait, I completely forgot version... this was a replay. So hold on. Because <laughs> <You're... laughs> how many endings does this game have again? Can you just go over that one more time? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Color Cross the first game, has. The grand total of 37 endings. And so you've replayed those 37 endings. Very nice. Pretty much. <laughs> it's probably the benefit. With a normal game, you remember the one ending. With 37, it's easy to forget which is which. <laughs> Sorry. Keep, keep I mean, like, mm-hmm. like, at the very least, like, I like that for the remake that you actually made a checklist because mm-hmm. I saw I was missing an ending and I wasn't sure which one and at least i knew like mm-hmm. uh, more or less the route because they're ordered by uh, by character routes mm-hmm. so it was very easy for me to figure out which one i was missing yeah the, I the game is pretty good <laughs> the, the game is pretty good the story like uh the story the characters uh, it's been a while since I play like uh, a game, Vision Over, or any kind of media where there wasn't a single useless character. Wow. Every single character serves to the plot in quite one way or another. And many characters had a lot to do with the mystery at hand. Mm. So, for anyone who enjoys visual novels, and for Anyone who enjoys like a good mystery, um, play Clark's Maris. And, and speaking of playing it, it, what's the what's the game like mechanically? Is it just a case of picking dialogue choices and, and which path you take down the tree, or is there like an actual 
not to be dismissive because I, I don't necessarily mind that either way. I'm I just I've heard loads about the story. The story's amazing. I want to know, and I'm sure the listeners want to know what what's the game like. Uh, as for the um, quote unquote gameplay, like uh, it is uh, almost like your usual uh, visual novel, mm. right? So just uh, and there's like a little other mechanic that it actually plays. Uh, into some of the endings you get, that is the um, I think it was called like trigger mode, that is like a quick time event. Okay, but besides that, this one isn't like at all heavy on gameplay, like all the emphasis is on the actual mystery. That's kind of cool. So it'd be less like you know, less like a Phoenix Wright game where you have like the investigating and more just pure like. Uh, dialogue decisions and stuff huh you actually have like uh, like small investigations in base oh. investigation segments but you don't have to actually like uh present the evidence but there are like mm. um little segments where you can try to put the mystery together like they do oh. a refresher of the case and they start asking you questions like uh, what do you think the motive is, or what do you think uh, is going on? And it actually lends itself well to the uh, usual vision novel formula hmm. because you already right. select oh, from okay. a group of options. Okay, that's pretty cool. Sounds a bit hotel. Yeah, hmm. it reminds me a little. Like I would be, you know, Paula. I think it'd be interesting if you tried um, Paradise Killer. Like, have you have you heard of this one? Paradise Killer. No. I talked about this a I while have exactly that. Yeah, the, a... um, you're like on an island and you've got to work out what's... I've, I remember seeing some coverage of it, yeah. Yeah, it's like a visual novel except with like slight platforming things. So it's sort of like this polygon style, uh, like polygonal style, like old school kind of vaporware feel um, or vaporwave, I guess. Um, and it... Um, it's like an investigation one, but you're going through with all these characters and like beautiful art style, by the way, like just gorgeous. Um, and the whole point is that you're like trying to investigate this big mystery. Um, but it's like, it's done through these, um, dialogue conversations with all these different characters. And yeah, anyway, listening to this, to this game you're playing, it, it sounds to me like, um, I think you would enjoy that, that one quite a bit. Um, plus I would love to talk to someone about it. (laughs) That actually sounds like right up my alley. Where mm-hmm. can I get it? It's it's you can it just download Switch. it. It's on yeah. I don't think it oh, had really? a physical release, but yeah, it's on Switch. Um, it's only like twenty four or five bucks, something like that. I think I don't know. It's not a full release price. It, it, it's honestly, it was cheaper than it probably should be. Like when I played it, I was like, <laughs> would have paid more for this probably. But yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm going to have to give it a look then. Yeah, do it. Nah. Going um, from what you've paid to what you've played, Alex, because that was the only one Paul has got. What have you beaten? Yeah. Um, so, oh God, I feel like uh, we were talking a bit before the podcast started about how I'm like, oh, I need to stop playing games that everyone loves because I feel like I'll just let people down this on this your one. week. Last week was my week. Now yeah. it's you. Yeah. So, okay. I beat two games this week. I beat Silent Hill 2. And I beat Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks. And I'll start with Silent Hill 2. And I talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, and basically at the time, the conversation was kind of that, like, it's interesting. 
Um, but mechanically it's severely outdated um, and could just really use with some, you know, tender loving care. Basically it needs some TLC at this point. Um, It's just not that good. Um, The acting is hilarious. I mean, it is genuinely bonkers. And I mean, that is actually a point for the game. I have to say Um, like there are scenes where it's just like, Maria, what are you doing here? Oh, no. Like that style, you know, like the 90s. Like, it's like, oh, we've come a long way. Like, especially in a, in a year where you play something like Last of Us Part Two, And like, whatever you think about that game, you can hate it, you can love it, whatever. It's obviously well-performed. And like, when you go back to a game like this, you're just like, it's charming in some ways, but also just intense in others. Um, so yeah, that's one part of it. And I can forgive that part easily, but... The other issue is that, like, mechanically, it's tank controls. So uh, I'm not totally opposed to these. And for those who don't understand what I mean by, like, tank controls, it's it's a, it's the kind of the idea that, like, when you push forward, it, it moves your character forward. Um, but, like... So if you left wanna, and right are rotational rather than strafing. Yeah, exactly, right? So like if you press left, you're going to start to turn your body left and then you have to keep pressing uh forward to move forward and it's not intuitive anymore, right? Like this is this was a way to work around uh, three dimensions at the time and it was important at the time, but it's also because you had fixed cameras. So you're really like it's almost like playing in a diorama which can take some time to get used to. Um, I've played Resident Evil HD this year, so like I wasn't that like it wasn't that off for me. I was like I'm used to this, but um, it's just really, really, really slow. And I highly recommend to anybody who plays this to like go into your settings. There are these hidden settings. I think you have to press like the control like R one and R two at the same time or something, um, and it, it opens up a secret list of settings in the game uh look it up I, I i might be wrong about the exact buttons but there's a secret settings menu and in that menu you can press a button that makes it so that your character always runs because you have to press a button to make him run and there is ah. zero reason for him to walk in this game ever you never need him to walk so like just get that on and go and i don't know it's just like i wasn't scared because in reality none of the enemies are that intimidating you know like they come at you kind of quickly, but you're so slow in your movements. You're like hitting with crowbars and stuff and with guns. And I don't know. It just wasn't really didn't, it didn't grab me. And the story was kind of interesting and I'm sure for the time it was interesting. It's more psychological, but like it's actually so vague at times that you're kind of like, and this is what's weird. It's vague in some respects to the point where you're like, what, what's going on? And then it's like, insanely obvious in others which creates this weird balance where like parts of it you're like "Ooh, what's this mystery but you're never going to figure it out it's just random and then other parts are like oh so this is what's happening and then you're like got it um so yeah i don't know i wish i liked it more than i did um i think it's worth experiencing it's definitely not bad i just really wish someone would modernize it like if this game got a modernization like Resident Evil 2 did, it would be amazing. It has all the qualities there to be a good game. It's just stuck in the past, right? Which is not its fault. I mean, it was made when it was made, but yeah. 
Also, would you trust Konami with that kind of a job? God, no. Because they, could, they no. couldn't even get the remaster right, let alone a full-on remake. Oh, yeah. I, I just no trust whatsoever. Um, so anyway, yeah. that that's my take on it. It's probably a solid seven. Um, you know, good. Not amazing, but good. Um, I think, you know what, too? Sorry, one, one last thing on this. I think this game, um, I don't think a lot of people have played Silent Hill, to be honest. And I think those who have played it love it. Because it's 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 a game made for them, right? Like they're those who really enjoy it, and so I think with time now, this series is kind of looked on extremely fondly. But I get why it hasn't been made again. It's very niche, um, and I appreciate that about it. I appreciate how many were made, but it is kind of a niche thing, you know. Like it's a psychological game that's not too intense and that like is kind of slow moving. And I can see how maybe it didn't pick up because with you know what I mean, like with the way that Resident Evil moved and with the way games went more action oriented, um, I can see how it fell away. But I do think we're positioned uh, for a moment where it could really come back well. Like you know, with games like Death Stranding and stuff, it's like I think now if there were ever a time for a game like this to come back. I think now would be the time. Um, yeah. Again, Konami is your obstacle. So. I know. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they they had the golden ticket in their hands with PT, and they went and oh, I know, and that, blew that. It's so good. PT is so good. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I'm interested <laughs> to hear what people think about Silent Hill too. I, I want to know what uh, people who really love it why they love it because I'd be really curious. Um, anyway, the other game that I'd be <laughs> was uh, Spirit Tracks and. Tread okay. Carefully. Listen. Oh my God! This oh, game no. goes. Uh, this game goes off the rails um, <laughs> in the last. Ah. <laughs> You've been and planning that all week. I ha- actually I thought of it today, and I was like, <clears throat> "That's gonna be funny." <laughs> but like uh, to, to characterize my experience with this game, I, I think I played about eighteen hours. I think was where my time ended up. There are a ton of secrets in this game that I just don't care about because they're not advertised and like they don't i guess you can customize your train C- cool um it's just it's, <laughs> it's, it's aesthetic you hardly even look at your train because you're staring at everything else but anyway um the first portion of this game is great the dungeons um exploring the tower really awesome then you get to the last section of the game which is about the last 10 percent, and it's the last time you enter into the tower and all the puzzles become about moving fucking zelda in these stupid freaking armored pieces of shit and like i'm telling you right now i'm, I'm sorry if anyone does like curses but oh my god i was i was this close to retiring this game because it was like oh now the puzzle is you know you have to control link over here now use your stylus to move the armored guy over here um but be careful he can't get noticed like you know it's like all this stuff where it's just like it wasn't fun and it wasn't intuitive and um then there's all this train stuff. Like you have to like go on, like try and get crash into trains train and stuff. Oh my God. It's so, it's not fun. And like, there's another battle where you have to like move your Zelda character up. And then you, and like the final battle is literally pattern recognition. Like that's it. It's just like, can you tap on the screen in the right order at the right time? Like there's zero. It's just so, it's so disappointing. It was so, so disappointing. It was like everything that I had issue with the game 
um, which was like, you know, some of the train elements, I was like, the train's cool, but sometimes the train is very unwieldy. And I was like, that's not always great. I was like, mm, blowing into that pan flute, it's not the best thing ever. Controlling the Zelda character can be a little hit or miss because you have to use your stylus to draw a path, but you have a limited window to see where you're drawing the path. And then you also have to control Link. I was like, those things are all tough. And then the game was like, oh, you don't like those? How about we make those all you do for the end of the game? <laughs> you're like, yeah so i just oh my god i i i don't know like i think i see why it died after this game like they didn't make any games like this anymore they just stopped and i'm like i i think i maybe get it um i don't know i mean (laughs) that was right first off why they didn't make more bear in mind they were making ocarina of time again and this was right before the 3DS came out. Also, Spirit Tracks was made in a year. Yeah. Yeah. And six months of that was the train. Yeah. No, I can believe <laughs> but, it, actually. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Only because of the end. Because everything was so excellent, but then the end feels rushed. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, It sort of was. That's kind of my point. Yeah. I, I, I do remember the ending being a step down from the quality of the game before it. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely didn't have the wet fart experience that it sounded like you did yeah but it, it is it does peak a touch early mm-hmm. but that game is amazing like you say dungeon design is fantastic mm-hmm. i will die on the hill that is spirit tracks train not only mm-hmm. is the train theme the best piece of music in any zelda game oh ever, yeah that's great yes at me um but i really enjoyed it i preferred it to the boat because mm-hmm. the boat it Although you had more freedom, it also felt much more dull and rote and slow. Whereas That's with fair. the train, because because they know where you're going, they're actually able to structure things around it more. Mm-hmm. And I felt that moment to moment, that gameplay was more engaging. And um, I just remember having a really wonderful time. And see, with I, all of that, game. I would actually say, and this is like a little weird for me, but like I would say that for this game, you should play it up until the final like spirit tower section which you'll know what i'm talking about and then just stop yeah just stop watch it on youtube yeah because honestly you have experienced like because it's really only like an hour maybe that's left at that point so frankly you've already experienced an excellent game at that point just leave it alone like don't touch the ending who cares watch it because honestly when you're playing it it, you know what i mean like i don't know because i agree with you like i actually found the rest of it to just be really awesome um and a lot to explore. And then I was so sad that it didn't stick the landing like that. But it makes more sense when you say, too, that it was developed in a year. I'm like, yeah, I think I get it. I'm like, they got the, the main part of the game. And they're like, shit, we've got to end this freaking game. Um. <laughs> I mean, it was basically Majora's Mask 2.0, where it's like, we've got an engine. We've, we've got a setup that we know works. Mm-hmm. Now let's experiment within time and, and, and financial and other constraints mm-hmm. and see what sticks to the wall sort of thing. Yeah. So tie this up in a bow. Mm-hmm. how would you rate the game if you'd stopped before you touched the ending and how would you rate the game having played the ending oh that is actually interesting i would probably give it a nine um before and i'd give it a seven after the ending because the ending oh, really no. hits hard yeah, i actually rated it seven i might change it maybe i'll put it as an eight but like it Holy i know it's just honestly like when you hit that ending i was just like it it really soured the experience like it it yeah and so but again like i said if i had stopped 
solid nine. <laughs> like that's so that's my advice to everyone. Play it because it is actually a phenomenal game. Um, except for that little last last section there. Um, people people sleep on it. Fun fun little anecdote that's just reoccurred to me. When uh, when Ocarina of Time first came out, they had like a little event in in a city in England, not where I live, but we happened to be there when it was on. Um, and they were doing these like. So it was like celebrating, I think there was an anniversary when Ocarina came out as well. So it was like a, an all-in-one thing. They were giving out Ocarinas in the back and they were teaching you how to play Zelda's Lullaby and various things on them. And they had all these little activities. And I remember one of the attendees, I got talking to them, I like, what's your favorite of the Zelda games? And I think, to be fair, at that time, I had only played the DS one. So I was like, Spirit Tracks. And they gave me a look on like any look I've ever received. <laughs> <laughs> Just pure like... What are you on about? <laughs> just like, yeah. I can't announce I was pregnant and it's theirs. Like, <laughs> like this kid wasn't yeah. born with Ocarina came out. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah. So, nice. yeah. All right. Well, that's all for me, though. But what about you, Rick? What have you been playing? Okay. I've uh, I've beaten two games, or rather a game and a DLC, and, and sticking sort of slightly with the Zelda theme. The first of those two is Ultimate NES Remix. So... Zelda and Zelda 2 are represented. I don't really have anything new to say. Everything I said last week still applied. Uh, it took me another maybe four hours to beat the rest of the game's content. And, and just across the board, even the games where I wasn't as enamored with them hmm. as, as games in and of themselves, because you're playing these little bite-sized chunks with discrete challenges to complete, and it's like a three-star scoring system that motivates you to to do better and focus on it. It does a really good job of making those games accessible and recontextualizing them as someone who's come back to them. And I imagine if you'd played them the first time round, it's a nice way to revisit them as well. Hmm. But it's a solid package. I gave it an eight. I think it's really enjoyable. And if it's something you have access to, if it looks like it's interesting to you, you will probably enjoy it. I, I think it's one of those where you know whether you're its target audience or not going in. Um, the other thing I've played is the second DLC pack for Control, or uh, which stands for Altered World Event, but people somewhat understandably joked in the run-up it was probably going to be Alan Wake Expansion because <laughs> this pack sort of leans very heavily into Alan Wake Um so if you if you don't want Alan Wake spoilers, I won't spoil the, the story of the DLC, but I will be touching on things of Alan Wake. So if, if you still have to play that Xbox 360 game from 2011, feel free to, to skip forward a couple of minutes. Basically, what Remedy have tried to do, the developers, is tie those two games together into a unified universe. So there are, I wouldn't say retcons, but new pieces of information, new links being drawn recontextualizes not only Alan Wake um, and, and the incidental characters around him specifically. So Thomas Zane, Mr. Scratch, um, Emile Hartman, Alice, but also the world in which they live. And, and it makes a crossover between two seemingly very different enemies in the shadows from Alan Wake and the hiss from Control. Um, and I won't say what it implies because that would be a bit of a spoiler and that wouldn't be very nice because I do think you should play this DLC. Hmm. Um, if you played the base game Control and you loved it, as I did, 
there's no way you don't love the two expansions because they they both give you more of the same, but with new tools added to the play button and and new things thrown in to, to sort of switch things up and and make you use those tools differently. So, um, for example, in the first DLC pack, one of the abilities that you pick up, it's not a critical path ability, but it would be hard to miss it, um, is a shield that you can pull up. So obviously you have these telekinetic powers and you press L1 on a PS4 pad. And um, Christ, what's her name? I've literally just played it. Jesse pulls <laughs> all, these, all these pieces of debris and object from around her and brings them up into a wall in front of her. I didn't really use it in the base game because it's purely defensive. And once you've got it, you're then limited in terms of launching things and firing your gun. And uh, it also obscures your vision a little bit. Not a lot, but enough to be a problem. What the first DLC pack did is they said, right, well, now what you can do is once you've brought that shield up, you can then throw it forward. So it gives it an offensive element. It makes it useful in close combat where you're actually somewhat limited depending on the guns you pick. DLC pack did something similar with, with the multi-launch ability. So you can pick up multiple things to throw rather than just the one. And it, it's little tweaks that expand what is already a really good combat system um, into something even better in the context of a story that's really gripping and engaging uh, and does new things and makes me very glad that I played Alan Wake because it, it throws a lot of real neat references through that. For all the flaws that that game had, I did appreciate having an understanding of. It's fantastic. It's really good. Um, the season pass isn't very expensive. Hell, the game, if you're buying shiny new toys or if you're keeping your old toy, the ultimate edition is like £35 or your regional equivalent. And I think for the base game and between the two DLCs, maybe 10 or 12 hours of extra content on top, I think it, it, it's absolutely worth looking at. And, and given some of the threads they dangled at the end, I'm quite keen to see what they do next with it. Um, did either of you play Control, by the way? I did, yeah. yeah. I didn't. You didn't. You should. You have a PS4, you've got no... Well, no, you've got excuses, that's not fair. It, <laughs> it's good. It's What did you think of it, Alex? I liked it. I liked it, yeah. I, I, I didn't... Um... I wasn't like blown away by it, but I enjoyed the experience. Um, I, I honestly, I think um, it's playing on an original PS4 and it was a little Performance slow. Performance is great. Yeah. yeah. It's the only reason it's not a 10 for me. It it, it lags coming in and out of menus. But yeah. like when, when you're in motion, it's fine. And I, I'm used to playing on a potato PC, so I'm probably more forgiving of that kind of performance quibble than most yeah i'll be honest i think that's a game that's actually going to be better on the next gen consoles um yeah with a little more power behind it yeah it'll it'll feel better cool yeah um well why don't we move on to what we've retired this week um paula nothing for you this week nothing for me this week um i'm not a big uh retire I, I guess that's fair N- me neither i mean the only thing that i'm i might retire gunslinger just temporarily and it's not because i don't like it it's literally just because i just got game pass and let me just say my time's a little occupied now <laughs> um so i'm definitely gonna beat that game but it just might be a little later what about you rick i see you got something here i have and it's only sort of semi-retirement say so story time i as you both know i'm a bit of an ebay fiend and one of the bargains I thought I'd snagged uh, was a game called Point Blank for the DS. 
So it's like a shooting gallery thing. It's one I remember seeing in shops when I was little, but never being interested enough to like put the pocket money together and get. So I saw it, it was stupid cheap even with shipping. I thought, you know what, I'll give it a go. Anyway, it arrives, the cartridge doesn't work, so I'm happy <sighs> to send it back. But that's not why I retired it. I thought, well, I've got the instruction manual. I've got an R4 card for like import games that I couldn't get a hold of anyway. Why don't I boot it up and give it a go and see if I even want to bid on it again? I don't. It's not very good. There's <laughs> not really a lot there. This is the thing. It Mechanically, it's fine. It works. But it's wafer thin on content. And, and if you think about it, it sort of makes sense because it it's like the shooting game from Wii Play, but with touch controls. And that's all of the games. Oh. The, there's only so many ways you can dress up touch the target as it appears unfortunately <laughs> so i i kind of played through one of the intermediary stages once got to the end of it and was like right i'm done with that now there's there's no reason for me ever to go back that is definitely fair uh i've never been a huge fan of the yep. shooter gallery games like that yeah um, no i as it happens neither am i yeah okay well <laughs> Why don't we come to our big main event then, the games of the generation, handheld edition. <laughs> um, so we're mainly focusing, I believe, on the 3DS and the Vita. Um, I mentioned that I might do the Switch this week, but honestly, I actually just decided, for me personally, I'm like, you know what? The Switch is an in-betweeny, you know? It's like, like 8.5 or whatever, so I've just ignored it pretty much, and I'm just like, someday I'll tell you all about the wonderful games I love on the Switch. Uh, but instead, <laughs> I also focused on the 3DS and the Vita, um, which is a great time to get one, I would say, because they're probably just going to get more expensive from here on out. And... Now's the time. They're not making any more. Exactly, right? Yep. Uh, Paula, why don't Both you... Of them. Exactly. Why don't you kick us off then? I feel uh, Rick and I, we've talked enough. It's your turn. <laughs> Just before you do, oh, I've yes. got to jump in very quickly because I sort of picked five and a half games and I need to I need to level the ledger. Um... So, as you will remember, last week I mentioned a game called Deadbolt. Yeah. Okay, what's the best mm-hmm. indies going? You can also play that on Vita and Switch if you're so inclined. Mm-hmm. And for all the reasons that I talked about last week, everything still applies. It's amazing and you should play it wherever you want to play it on the toilet on the bus on your tv as long as you play it that's fine by me nice that's your half game all right good all right paula take us away (laughs) okay so decided on uh, games for uh for these the for this episode it was a little bit uh hard for me because between the beta and the 3ds i think i play like 55 games or so uh as a like individual gameplays i think it's not too Um, shabby yeah so what i did here is limit myself for games that came first on the 3ds and beta so sorry persona fans no persona for golden here don't kill me i love the game but it it wasn't uh, released there first Um, so yeah, so that pretty much cut down like 80% of the games, and then I just tried to stick to, with one exception, I tried to stick to the games I've completed. Nice. Um, 
So, uh, as I continue to uh, fan the flames here, one of the defining things, or at least I think that defined the Vita for me, uh, were the visual levels, because there's a lot of them. Oh, there's a head-sized stack of games in her hand. Yeah, there's yeah, like <laughs> Yeah, um, these are just like the ones that came uh, to the West. Like, I feel that the the Vita did like a great job to uh, introduce many people to uh, the visual novel genre. Um, there are a lot of visual novels that actually made their way to other systems. So, don't kill me. But the first game here uh, for today is a visual novel. Is God Realize Guardian of River. Nice. I choose this one in particular uh, because I feel like the story is really solid, and I I am I am a bookworm. I don't know if I told you that before, but uh, this particular game has references to a lot of literally literary. Oh my god! Literature? To characters and books. To popular characters in books. And uh, this is like actually a game that I don't care to play over and over again because each time I do, I find something else that is interesting. Uh, and I'm just gonna move on before I continue talking endlessly about that game. I just wanted to get that one off the way out of the way first because I actually tackle people that uh, actually tackle the things that people may actually want to play. Nice. But yeah, this one is available on uh, the Vita, on PlayStation 4, and Nintendo Switch. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, like we've sort of talked about, the Switch seems to be the successor for a lot of Vita stuff. Um, but yeah, awesome. Thanks, Paula. Uh, is that me? Okay. Go on, you go next. I'm going next. Yeah. Woohoo. Okay. So this one, yeah, my experience with the 3DS and the Vita is kind of weird because my 3DS, I actually ended up playing, I think, more DS games on it than 3DS games. Um, and with the Vita, I ended up playing more like PSP games on it than PS Vita games. I don't know what it was. The Vita library, I didn't even feel was like super, super huge necessarily. Um, but uh you know saying x but i'm just saying the v library was great but it wasn't my bag of tea uh um or cup of tea i guess so but when it comes to the 3ds uh my first one might be a little like controversial i guess but for me it's fire emblem fates um so the 3ds had some like amazing fire emblem games like no doubt and when i was going through i played all of the 3ds fire emblem games and when I was looking through my 3DS, I was trying to see like, you know, the activity log, what was my uh, longest played game. And by a disgusting margin, it was Fire Emblem Fates at 118 hours. And like, realize that's because it's, it's birth, right? Conquest and, um, oh, re realize, re oh no, what's the last one? <laughs> Birthright, Conquest, and Revelations. Revelations, yes, that was it. I was trying. I was thinking Realizations, and I was like, that's not it. Revelations, um, and I, I just, I loved it. Like, I know a lot of people complain. They're like, oh, why do I have to keep buying all of these? But like, they're each individual games, and like, their stories were genuinely different in each one. And like, 
playing through and seeing the different perspectives and the way that it all intersects together. And like, arguably Fire Emblem Three Houses probably does a better job in the sense that like you can play three different houses and it's all in one game. But this one, it did it different, right? It like, it did this thing where, yeah, you play as one side of the family and you love these characters and you're like, oh, they're the best. I hate those other group. And then you play as the other family and you're like, oh no, wait, these dudes are pretty cool. And you're like, oh, oh, I don't know how I feel now. And then you get to play Revelations and you're like, yes, I love them all. (laughs) You have that moment where you just like get to see them all come together. And it was just like, plus also like on like a slight personal note, like this game, I don't know. I I, like many individuals our age have like dealt with mental illness throughout my life. And like, I had a depressive period when this game came out. Um, And like, I just moved to a new city where I am now and like knew no one there. And this game just kind of came at the right moment. And like, there's some media that, I don't know, sometimes you just sink yourself into them and they kind of give you that sort of bounce. And like The Office was one of them for me. It was like, just watch that TV show when I was down. But like this game, it was just like that nice little comfort thing that I could like enjoy for a while. So it gets, you know, it it makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Um, So I highly recommend it to people, though there are probably better Fire Emblems on the 3DS, but it gets the spot for me. Nice. Right then, so... For me, I had a real hard time with this one, much more so than last time, um, because most of the PC games I played were older, um, and, and I'd only had a PS4 for a couple of years. I still hadn't played a lot of the library. Uh, between 3DS and Vita, I've actually logged over 100 completions, and I've got plenty left to play for both, in fairness. Um, but I think I've got a pretty representative list, so... First of my games of the generation is the Box Boy series hmm. for 3DS, which you can also get on Switch. I think the latest ones come out there. So when I eventually get one of the little handheld consoles that can, um, I will be playing that there. It is a really minimalistic 2D puzzle platformer. Uh, the gimmick is that you can create Tetris shapes out of yourself, essentially. So you start as a one-by-one cube, and then from level to level, you'll be able to, to build a different number of cubes on top of yourself in any kind of shape configuration. So you might build yourself up and over into like a, an L-shaped Tetris hook uh, to then jump onto and pull yourself up to reach a high ledge. You might just make a simple plank to get across a, a barrier. You might make a step to help you get up a high ledge. You might make a single one and drop it to activate a platform to get you somewhere else. And it's a really simple concept that over the course of three, and I presume four games on Switch, they have wrung a crazy amount of life out of. With different types of boxes, uh, with different environmental hazards, it's just crazy how much good stuff they've done with such a simple concept. And this is all in the context of me as as someone who doesn't really engage with this kind of game usually. Mm. Normally I'd be bored a couple of hours in, but over the three games I've probably played about six hours each, so 18 to 20 hours. And, and every time I started one, I blasted through them. Like that was all I was playing until they were done. So, and they're really cheap, all three of them. And I don't know what the Switch one is. I don't think that was a full price release either. So, I don't think for, so. The cost, for the cost of half an anthem, you can probably get all four. So that that's my pick. Perfectly pitched, clean, simple puzzle <laughs> plan. Nice. All right, Paula, what about you? Uh okay for my next uh pick it's something I feel like uh 
had such a good home like in the 3DS that I didn't know that the series actually originated back like uh, in the Game Boy Advance times. Uh, it had been remade time and time again, uh, at least for the first trilogy. So from the Ace Attorney series, I want to give a huge shout out to uh, Dual Destinies. Nice. Dinner. Because like, if I, if I, um, like, from all the Ace Attorney games that I play, like, I play all of them except the, uh, the, to the great Ace Attorney, mm-hmm. one and two, those are the only ones I haven't played. Like, I feel like this one, uh, has to be, like, from the mainline Ace Attorney games, the best one. Mm. Because, uh, that is not counting like uh, Mouse Edgeward Investigations because the second one is one of the best games I've ever played, but <laughs> but it's a DS game, so it doesn't have a place here. It's true, it's <laughs> but banished. it is Spanish. Um, but yeah, uh, Dual Destinies in particular has one of my favorite, like, I guess, protagonist characters that is Athena Sykes. Hmm. And her character is just, uh, I want to say this, like, pack of joy and, and all of that, because, like, uh, this character in particular has, like, um, a lot of expressions. She seems to be, like, super cheerful, but you are reminded that, after all, she's also human. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ace Attorney series has... Uh, mostly always have like pretty good cases and you always have like this overarching mystery and if I remember correctly uh, this one doesn't have filler cases or if it does at, at most it has one but uh, from the uh, colorful colorful cast of characters to the story uh, to the overall gameplay because I really enjoy what Athena brings to the table and even the prosecutor I feel and right until the final case because oh my god this game is amazing Hmm. because like many games do drop the ball like I've seen many games drop the ball like near the end but I feel this game took the ball and ran away with it hey nice well, so, yeah. I have to admit, yeah, I'm uh, I'm also a big fan, but I only have one thing to say. Objection. <laughs> I, my Objection. next one on <laughs> the next one on my I'm list. No, I'm staying right here. <laughs> I am home. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's because the next one on my list is actually Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Spirit of Justice. <laughs> um, I also oh, right there you go hey see i love dual destinies i agree with you here's the thing ranking the phoenix Wright games for me is like pointless because i just love them all but (laughs) uh but i i felt like um i really liked dual destinies as well some people give athena like shit and i don't understand why like i thought that was a great character too um but maybe it was just like too much change or something. I don't know. I don't even know if fans know what they wanted because people complained about Apollo Justice and then they're like, oh, but now there's still this and rah, rah, rah. But anyway, um, 
I really loved Spirit of Justice because I felt like I felt like it was for me at least sort of the first time that they got their new sort of 3D style like really really well done um and like you know what I mean like where Dual Destinies felt like it was like oh it was really really good and they were like but it still sort of felt like they were kind of just working out the kinks a little bit of the new um, graphical style. Um, because for those who don't know, it was, it was sort of pixel uh, pixel in like 2D um, hand-drawn animations. Uh, well, not necessarily hand-drawn, but 2D, 2D pixel an- animations. And then it moved to 3D character models. And those models are actually really awesome. Um, and I felt like Spirit of Justice just sort of upped it like a little bit more um, in, in their mechanics. And I also just think the story is so batshit in the best way possible like (laughs) they were finally just like you know what this game's nuts we're just going to the spirit medium land and we're just gonna have some fun (laughs) i was like yeah (laughs) um so that that's the one that i would pick out of the two of them but honestly i think you can do no wrong with playing either of those games i have actually play them all yes object Oh, they are you, all available available in the 3ds go ahead oh Rick, i'm gonna one up because okay. my next one is professor layton versus phoenix right <laughs> oh it's, not, it's not it's not but imagine if it had been that would be amazing i haven't actually played that one yet but i think it would be it's on my list right now it's the next game i have to play on the 3ds um it's my brother's favorite for what that's it's like. pretty good actually yeah okay i've heard it's good um Anyway, okay, but actually though, Rick, what is your next one? <laughs> my, my actual next pick is a game called Velocity 2X. Mm. Um, it's a mashup between like a level-based shoot-em-up and a 2D side-scroller. The unique mechanic is that you can teleport anywhere on the screen. So the puzzles are built around either teleporting between walls past projectiles or dropping teleport markers shooting a key in one place and then teleporting back to the other place and zipping around the map it's an absolute ketamine dream but it's also really well done mechanically there's a real sense of speed and agility um not so much momentum i think it's hard to get that in a 2d space but but definitely a feeling of flow it's a strong sort of not well sort of score attack because there is a rating system but in the sense that you want to nail the run, you want to pick up every uh, pickup, you want to not take any damage, you want to prior not prioritize, optimize your run to get the best lines to teleport to exactly the right place. Uh, it's playable on PS4. I would recommend playing it on a Vita if you have one, purely because rather than mapping the teleport to a press and hold of the square button while you analog move your teleport marker, you can just tap the screen and you'll teleport instantly to where you tap, which I've got both versions because this game's amazing and I'm an idiot. But the the PSP, the, not PSP, the Vita version is the better version to play. But whichever version you play, it's really good. The, the square teleport does work. I, I played this on the Switch, actually, and now oh, I'm thinking... Well, okay. I'm thinking that they probably had touch controls on the Switch too, and I just never tried. But they might not. I, like, because now that you're saying it, I'm like, oh Jesus, could I have just touched on the screen? <laughs> to be fair though, the Switch is a bit harder to get from the controller to any part of the touch screen. The Vita is just at the perfect size, where with either thumb you can actually overshoot past the analog stick and hit. 95% of the places where you want to go. That's certainly how I did it anyway. And my hands aren't 
particularly sort of large. <laughs> uh, how did you find it on Switch? Oh, it's great. It's a fantastic game. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, tough as nails sometimes, but fair. <laughs> and like, I don't know. I I got nothing but good things to say about it. It's just good. Play it. It's <laughs> sad for getting your ass kicked in a good way. Yeah. Um, yeah for sure. All right, Paula, take it away with your number three. Well, no particular order, but the third oh, one just you picked. Turn. <laughs> uh, the, the third one I picked was uh, everyone probably saw this coming, like uh, the Legend of Zelda: uh, A Link Between Worlds. Worlds. Oh my god, I can talk. Uh, so what I really enjoy from this Zelda is like it is like a modern take on the uh, top-down perspective that the other mm-hmm. games had. And, but with a twist, because you can actually merge on the walls with magic. And I found that that mechanic was awesome because it opened up um, so many ways to do puzzles or so many other places. Uh, plus, um, you can pretty much get most of the weapons like from the get-go, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, navigating the the dungeons is still satisfying. Like you can still get like like a big item on a dungeon that is regard, uh, rewarding. And the the gameplay is just plain fun because you can do um I think with a, with a couple of exceptions you can do the dungeons like in any order you want uh, as long as you either have enough life or enough skill or the right item and i just have to say like um i enjoy like a lot of the characters of the game like especially uh the one that is responsible uh of your um of turning your home into a a weapon rental service. Uh, Ravio. Um, at first, I didn't think much of the character, but the the longer I played, the more I started to like the character. Mm-hmm. And There's... and yeah, like it is a really solid Zelda game, and the collectibles are adorable. Because you have to save like these little Maya mice. And they sound adorable. They are adorable. They're the cutest thing on earth. And you want to save them because like, come on, how are you gonna leave the poor creature there crying for its mother? I feel uh, so yeah, for solid Zelda game. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I feel like Paula, you and I are on the same wavelength because my third on my list is also Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. Amazing. Phoenix, right? This one, we're just going up and up. Yeah, honestly, like I'll just tag in Woo! with what you're saying. Like that game to me, it's interesting because this is why I hope I redeem myself a little bit from Spirit Tracks talks, but kind of everything that sort of bothered me a little bit, I feel like this game just sort of fixed. And I, and I think the reason is that I just really love having more control over um, the character. Like I like the stylus movement in, in the earlier games, but in this one, like having that actual like digital analog, I guess, sort of control over Link, um, it just felt really satisfying for me and let, it made it feel like it could be a little more challenging. And I thought the weapon rental system is, it's, it's really kind of a, 
kind of a revolutionary idea for the the Zelda games, and it sort of made it feel like the weapons were more valuable in some ways um, because it was really like, okay, what do you think you're going to need? What's your loadout going to be for this next um, sort of mission? And instead of just like, all right, I'm going to go to this dungeon and all the stuff that I've gotten before this dungeon is virtually useless and I'm just going to go in and use whatever's in there. But instead you kind of had to think a little differently, right? It's like, well, you never know what you're going to actually face when you enter into this dungeon. Um, yeah. The kind of like dying is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> because they take away everything you didn't buy. Right? Exactly. Oh, sorry, Rick. Yeah. I just said that's heavy. I didn't realize that that was how the rentals worked. That's, mm -hmm. that's fucked, yeah. Um, which, which I suppose is another, a different way of saying I haven't played this game yet. And, and I suppose the usual, the usual caveats apply. We can, only, we can only nominate what we've played. I honestly, um, I would, I would highly recommend playing this game. Like it's, it for me, I think it stands as like my favorite of the 3DS games. Like it's probably the best one out there. Um, yeah, I have it. It's, it's not a question of of if; it's a question of when. So, so basically, my little brother got a 3DS three or four years before I did, and so ever since I've got mine, every time I see him, it's just like getting hooked up with a fresh game that nice. I need to get around to. So, I've got his copy <laughs> of Awakening. And his copy of Link Between Worlds both sat waiting to be waiting to be gotten around to. Um, well, without any further ado, what's your number three? Yeah, <laughs> rolling on, so, <laughs> shifting across to the Vita. Uh, my third pick is East Eight Lacrimosa of Dana, um, which is a phenomenal little action RPG. It's weird because for a game that has a mute protagonist, save the island, save the world sort of storyline. It actually is quite a compelling story. I think it's because the characters are quite well written. But really, if you're coming to this game, it is for the combat and the exploration. And it nails both of them. Um, there's there's periods where I'd be playing and focused intently. There's periods where it would be very much a podcast game for me. But mechanically, the, the feel of the combat, uh, the feel of switching between characters, exploiting weaknesses, powering up your moves. One of the things that the East franchise has done really well since they moved to this 3D um, action space with, with the character swapping, so the, the mechanics that they're stuck with at the moment, is that they really empower you to use your special ability. So in a lot of games, you have like a, a, a super science type thing which you can use maybe three times the whole game because you feel like you need to save it for a boss or you need, you need to know you've got it if you're in a bind. What East does is builds up a really solid combat loop because you you get points for those moves doing everything. So you're encouraged to to use your basic moves to build up points, to use your bigger moves, to build up points, to use your ultimate thing. But the, the recharge is so quick that you never feel like you're going to be disadvantaged by using it. Hmm. It, it always feels viable to pop one off because you know you're going to have it back again in a couple of minutes. Which is a really roundabout way of saying that the the mechanic design and the game design is on point. Everything about the game is on point. It is on PC, it is on Switch, it is on PS4 as well. For me on the Vita, it was just a lovely game to sort of curl up in bed with or, or curl up on a sofa with. And I, I really liked having it in the hand and close. But whatever you play it on, it is well worth a look for anyone who enjoys action or RPG or action RPG. Nice. Uh, awesome. 
Have you ever played those games, Paula? I've I've never played these games. Um, before my old computer went up in films, I was actually playing East Origin. Hmm. And I was having fun until my computer died. Uh, I haven't gone back to it. Uh, but I really want to experience like the East franchise, like as a whole, because like even East Origin and even like the first. Uh, East games have like, um, even is, if if the 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 overall mechanics are like kind of simple in the beginning, they're still like solid to this day. Mm. Mm. Uh, okay. Which I don't feel like a lot of the a lot of games can say that about their like beginnings. Yeah, uh, sure. So, so just briefly for anyone who isn't aware, so the East franchise started. And, and up until the PSP and, and the very end of the PSP's life, actually, as an isometric um, 2D sprite-based game. I mean, it was in a 3D space, but all of the artwork was two-dimensional. Uh, initially with like a, a bump movement style combat, so you just walked into your enemy and the attack mm-hmm. was automatic. So it was all about um, getting behind the enemy to do bonus damage, making sure you were attacked from the front to minimize incoming damage. And then they moved to a physical combat system. Then in the last three games, four if you count, nine, which is out in Japan, comes out in the West very, very soon. Um, It moved to a a fully 3D action RPG um, with some little foibles of its own. But but like Paula says, it's all still very playable to this day. I mean, um, for anyone who's on the forums, June's played everything up to eight. So he's got that to look forward to. Uh, But it's talked about how all of those games for the most part hold up um mostly it's quality of life stuff like fast travel mm. and um nice dungeon design where they fall short but in terms of the the core of the game they're all pretty playable still cool um okay paula hit us with number four okay so um how do i even introduce this so uh, i'm jumping back to the beta uh for the fourth game um, I already say that I really, really enjoyed the like the Persona franchise like as a whole. I haven't played the first ones, but I really want to. But uh, without further ado, um, Persona Four: Dancing All Night, because first of all, um, I am pretty vocal about the the fact that I the the fact that I that I feel like the Persona Four. Uh, Persona 4 is like out of the modern Persona games, uh, the best one in my opinion. And it has like the best cast of characters in a way, or at least the more relatable, I guess. As in, like in Persona 3, they feel like they, uh, in Persona 3, you are with your co workers. Mm. In Persona 5, you are with your classmates, maybe some are friends. But I feel like the cast of Persona 4 is like more like your family in a way. And um and I would I always felt like Persona 5 was kinda like weirdly written and I actually investigated on that on the social leaks sorry, confidence in that game were written like by three different people. So hmm. consistency is a much of a of of a thing. Um, so, 
going to Persona Dancing all night, actually, I really, really, really enjoyed this game. Not only because, like, uh, out of the dancing games, don't play three and five dancing in Moonlight and Starlight. No, don't. <laughs> um, sorry, I have a problem to pick with those, but that is for another day. <laughs> Uh, but this one it actually has curious to hear that other day but go on yeah this one actually has like a story mode mm. it's a good story mode as well it it's is a, a yeah it is a really solid story and i was like this was a rhythm game i was like pretty much good with just um i can see more of the characters and the rhythm mechanics are but the story mode actually surprised me they literally mm. snuck like a 12 hour visual novel in, like yeah. with some dancing breaks in the middle. I mean, it's my honorable mention. Uh, so, yeah, we're on the same wavelength. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you, Alex, like you don't know what we're talking about. Oh, no, I've beaten this game. Trust me. It's a great game. <laughs> yeah, and, the, and, the, and even the dancing is like justified uh, in the story in some way, which is, uh, which I found it's. It's just nuts. And Aren't they training the... to be an idol group? Wasn't that the kind of the idea? Risei's putting on a performance and they, they've all got to go and help her out because it's a yeah. comeback gig and she's a little bit nervous. Yeah. And then and then they find this new enemy that conveniently has to be beaten with the power of dance. Yeah. It's oh. yeah, it, it perfectly anime. So. Yeah. It is perfectly anime. And I just got to say, like, uh, even like the choreographies and stuff, Everything is catered like to each character individually, and I really, 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 really love that mm. because, like, that is that is another thing that is missing from the uh, other two dancing games because, like, they pull some bullshit and everyone can dance like perfectly. Mm. Uh, but like, Persona Four first has like awesome music. And the kind of music that it has lends itself really well to this kind of game. Nice. Uh, so just the like, and plus the story, plus each character has like, uh, kind of chose their personality, personality through their dance, and and you have like a really enjoyable dancing game, and like even like the the higher difficulties, like uh, I've heard that. This was like really easy compared to other dancing games because I haven't played other dancing games. Um, the higher the the higher difficulties still kicked my ass, like <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. a lot. And yeah, I've said I think I told uh, both of you that uh, the only redeeming uh, quality of uh, the Persona dancing collection on the ps4 is that it has this game in hd <laughs> yes. there you go. i actually yeah. went and put like uh, another 60 hours in that game Damn. and actually beat the fog on king crazy man so i think a natural sort of segue from your game to my game um i actually picked so i didn't even care i know this game wasn't initially released on the vita but i don't care um, I picked Persona 4 Golden because I just, <laughs> I just love that. That, but see, that game is the reason to own a Vita. Honestly, like it, it like besides the, a couple of months ago, it absolutely was right. Like it genuinely, it's so 
good. I mean, I have all these fond memories of just like sitting in front of my TV, like watching stuff and just like playing Persona 4 in the video and being like, yo, this game's cool. <laughs> I just I never <laughs> thought I would dig it, right? I was like, what, like Japanese high schoolers? I was like, I don't, why, I don't care. Um, but then like, as I was playing it, I went, oh no, I care. I very much care. <laughs> um, it's just, like you said, the the characters, the relationships, I mean, everything works so well. And you know, I, I agree with you too. I did find something about five and, and again, look, five is amazing. Like I, I love it, but I did find it was almost like, um, like it's like polished in a different way. Um, like persona four felt more kind of cozy, I guess, if that's the right term. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. whereas persona five is more cool and that's fine. It's a different feeling. Um, but I personally just sort of preferred that kind of cozy feeling of four. Um, and the turn-based combat was fantastic. Um, the concept is amazing. I mean, it's just, it's a good game. And like, if you have a Vita and you haven't played it, do yourself a favor because you're going to enjoy it a lot. <laughs> or if you have a PC, you no longer have an excuse because they- Right, it is now available on Steam. It's now no longer no longer stranded on, on the, the Vita Island. That's the one I was looking yeah. for. Oh, it nice should be on segue. the Switch. But yeah, go ahead, Lyric. It will be eventually, I'm sure. I almost picked Persona 4 Golden. So I was torn between picking it and the one I eventually went for, which is Shin Megami Tensei 4 on the 3DS, which I'm expecting Paula's going to have something to say about further down the line. Yeah, the shifty eyes are saying yes, she did. Persona 4 is wonderful. I gave 100 hours of my life to that game. It is an amazing game. It is a more than the sum of its parts game, though. The the story is great. There's a little bit of fluff in terms of the moving around and, and, and some of the, the conversations. The combat's brilliant until it becomes way too easy, uh, which which also could partly be my fault because I did all of the side quests. <laughs> so that around the mid-game, I ended up being sort of 10 levels more overpowered than I was supposed to be for anything with no hope of, of bringing that balance back. So the combat sections became a podcast game for me. And it's a testament to how good that game is that it's still got a 10 yeah. because it, it is, even when it's stupidly too easy, still a really good time. Shin Megami Tensei 4 sort of goes the other way. It's what we were talking about before, a good ass kicking. That game demands something from you from the combat. But in return, it gives you the best RPG I've played today. Mm. It's beautiful on the 3DS. The 3D is really well done. The story is involved for a, a Shin Megami Tensei game, but not so involved that it takes away from the combat or the exploration or the anything else. The demon fusion's as good as it's ever been. The environments are interesting and fleshed out. The music, oh my god, the music. And, and this is a franchise that's known for its music anyway. Anyone who's got a couple of minutes, boot up YouTube and, and find the Tokyo theme from this game. It's, it makes me feel things, man. It makes me feel things. But it, the best RPG I've played today, interestingly, mm. Paulie, you'll know this, a load of people got stuck on the first boss on this game. And if, yep. there, was, if there was any criticism to be made, like, the game does lead with a hard one-two punch to the gut before it before it levels out a little bit. And the first boss, this is the tiniest of spoilers, you are forced to fight with a AI-controlled teammate who just seems to want to spam the element that the boss reflects. Oh. Now, for whatever reason, the RNG gods were smiling down on me, 
And when I fought it, I beat it first time. And John used Adji, I think, once the whole fight. So I, I got away with one, but I know a lot of people struggle okay, with see, that. But I think I might be one of those people. I retired this game so fast. I like I played a few hours into it, and I was like, "What the hell is this game?" And I just like I, I didn't understand. And I just and I just <laughs> popped. Out. There's no way you weren't the only one. Like they they clearly could have play tested a little better. But once once you get out of that introductory cave, mm-hmm. which you do, and I won't spoil what happens when you come out of that cave because I think it's one of one of the many little discovery joys of that game it not only levels out a bit but it also really opens up and you have more tools to to fight it with interestingly worse than the minotaur there's a a secret boss beelzebub i must have spent five out yeah (laughs) i i must have spent four or five hours just fighting this fight again and again and again with different demons and different configurations trying to work out how the fuck i was able to get around it and again, that, that's a testament to the game that it gives you that challenge, but it's also sunk its hooks in deep enough that you can't help but keep running into that brick wall. Yeah, I think it might. Just... I could keep going. Basically, be saying the same thing again. It is. It is a brilliant game. It's the best RPG I've ever played. And if you have a 3DS, you have a lot of explaining to do if you haven't at least considered getting the game. Yeah, it's so sad. I, I wish have I a question it. for you. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Balasar. Chaos, neutral, or um, lawful? Neutral, baby. Yay! Every time. It's got to be. Oh, jeez. All right, Paula, what about you? What's your last one? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, this is actually my favorite game in the in the handheld department. Yeah. Uh, Team Mavitense 4. Okay. Um, Even before we came on, I knew that we would both pick this game. For a fact. Yeah. It, I, I was fully expecting you to pick this game uh, for your release. Otherwise, I would have been disappointed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, as Rick already said, like this has to be like the first uh, RPE I've played. Yeah, period. Like, um, to be fair, I haven't experienced like a lot of the other say I mean, I play like. Um, Devil Survivor, which is more like a tactical RPG. Yeah. And I I think I'm about halfway through in Strange Journey Redux that I haven't touched in a couple of years because um, I was royally pissed at one character. That game really kicked your ass as well. Strange Journey is lovely. That was the game that got me into the franchise. But that is a fucking hard game. See, with dungeons actively want to screw you. I think I'm a Western RPG, like, just spoiled or something, or a snob or some deal. I don't know <laughs> what it is. I just, some JRPGs, I get into it and I go, what? What am I? Why am I in dungeons? What's going on? Like, do you know what I mean? I don't know what it is. It's just, it's some kind of barrier for me. And this game had one of those. But I'm so glad to hear you two love it. And I wish I had that experience. <laughs> <laughs> That's so passy. I'm glad you liked it. Good <laughs> no, but honestly, though, it's like, you know, and there's games that you're like, dang it, everyone loves it. Why don't I love it? Ah! <laughs> Literally me so, last week playing Super Mario World. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, um, okay, back to the thing. Like, uh, what I really enjoyed, like, the combat, because, like, with the press turn system, I feel the combat is so much more fluid than many other RPGs. Uh, because like if you hit like the um, 
weakness of a character or sorry a weakness of a of a demon uh you get like one more turn but if they hit your weakness well you're fucked um mm. so um and this goes like for the Timaritans in person against in general that they really make you feel like okay am i using like the right move and this was um actually one of the first no it was the first a game for Atlas I ever played hmm. um, because I was literally like walking um, uh, by that magical place where there's a lot of like video game stores. I keep seeing this game like um, through the class, and then, and one day I was just like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm gonna take it home. Nice, and. I don't regret it at all. It is amazing. Like, and do you comment a little bit like on the first boss um, issue, I guess. Um, I was actually uh, really gr close friends with uh, one of the people that uh, work at one of the game stores. And uh, he said like, Oh, you know what? Like, uh, I really enjoy this game, but a lot of the people like pick up this game came from like Persona 4. So they were expecting something along those lines. And then I actually, he said he actually checked every single save file of the Returning games. Every single one of them stopped at the first boss of the game. Yeah. Every single one of them. <laughs> and it was like, well, because um... see that's so disappointing though, because like right there you have I don't know anyway sorry I just that it sort of bothers me because I'm like that's where you have a clear flaw right where it's like because um, I was one of those people where I came from Persona Four and I was like I was ready to have experience and then the game just sort of locks me out almost but anyway sorry you go <laughs> no 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 it's, it's okay like, because like it is it is I guess it is a valid um. It is very valid because, like, uh, even if they're like under the same umbrella, the both of the games, uh, Persona Four and Team Evidence, have like, uh, I guess, really different. Um, I don't want to say views, but, like, uh, they put like emphasis on mm -hmm. different part of the gameplay. So, as for Persona, like, you have like the whole social thing that helps you uh, in combat in the long run. Uh, but on Timami Tensei, you have to really um, master the combat and fuse your demons and pretty much use everything the game gives you like as a tool to overcome the challenges. The last thing I want to say, like I like the alignment system of this game because it's not like a Good, bad, or evil. Mm. Wait, no. What? What the hell did I just say? Okay, it's not like <laughs> a good or bad alignment system, but it's like a lawful or chaotic alignment system, mm. and they fall right in the middle, which is nice. And uh, the demon design for this game is just fantastic. Nice. Um, thank you, Paul. Yeah, I'm going to jump in quick. This is my last one here. I cheated a little because I played this on the Switch, but it's also on the Vita. Uh, and probably my ultimate favorite handheld game, uh, Stardew Valley. Uh, that game, 
I have put in more hours in that game than any human should put into games. <laughs> uh, I just so much. That's my Animal Crossing. You know, I couldn't care about Animal Crossing. That's um, your rock in the yeah. scale of one to nine hundred. What are we talking? That's my rock. Uh, five maybe. Like it's like five hundred probably. It's like a, a lot of hours on my Switch. It's always whenever it says time played. It's like Stardew Valley, and then everything else is just like <laughs> I can't touch it. Um, so I love that game. I don't even need to say much about that game. Listen, you like Harvest Moon? You're gonna love this game. You like Animal Crossing? You're gonna love this game. You like games? You're gonna love this game. It's it's just you're gonna love it. It's so good. <laughs> uh, that's all oh. I'm gonna say on it. I because I, I think that game speaks for itself. Honestly, like play it, get lost in it, lose about three years of your life, and have a good time. <laughs> Rick, what about you? What's your last one? <clears throat> well, my last one is sort of a last three. So my last one is Muramasa Rebirth, which mm. up until I played Thirteen Sentinels was miles and away the best game from a mechanical standpoint that I had ever played, and I think I ever will. Um, I'm sort of cheating because I feel like I want to bundle in the other Vanillaware Vita games, Dragon's Crown and Odin's Fear in you with can't it. bundle because them in. <laughs> <laughs> Those list. are your audible mentions. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, they, they all share some mechanical similarities. They differ a little bit in terms of the way they lay it out and the things they do around it. But mm. Muramasa Rebirth is, is a mechanical masterpiece. The combat is perfectly balanced. Um, nothing is superfluous. Nothing is overpowered. Um, battles are never too easy. They always demand something from you. And for everything that you give to it, it rewards you um, with with a feeling from the combat, with the flow, with with points, with with great feeling. I am struggling for words. It is a game that defies explanation, save that if you have a Vita, you should play it. And it's criminal that it's still the only place you can play it. I mean, you, you can play the Wii version, but the DLC is arguably better than the base game in places, and that is stranded on the Vita. So buy Vita now while you still can, and buy Muramasa Rebirth, because I, you should. I loved that game. It was a good game. Um, so Why don't we, real quickly now, we'll just list straight up our uh, honorable mentions um, so that we can get to our viewer question. Uh, Paula, why don't you go okay, ahead? Yep. Uh, okay, so Phoenix, oh, Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright is attorney because... Two very good series. Uh, Stage Get Zero, the game that uh, brought me to the Vita. Uh, Gravity Ratch, I have a feature, it's great. Uh, Persona Q, mm. uh, beautiful game, uh, great RPG, and uh, Fire Emblem Awakening. Nice. Nice. Um, mine's kind of similar to yours. I have two Switch games on there because whatever, I had to sneak them in. Hollow Knight, because it's the best thing ever. <laughs> um, Return of the Obra Dinn, because what? So cool. Um, Fire Emblem Shadows of Valencia, because I love some old school Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem Awakening, because I'm obsessed with Fire Emblem. Uh, and Persona 4 <laughs> Dancing All Night, because that's some good old rhythm fun. All right, Rick. Well, there you go. Uh, one 3DS, the others are all Vita. So Etrian Odyssey 4. Legends of the Titan. I expect the others will all be better, but 4 was a great starting point for me and, and a real sort of time sink while I was playing it. Uh, the Hotline Miami Geology on Vita, in my opinion, the best place to play them, but that's just me. Uh, Severed, it's also on 3DS, but I played it on Vita. Really fun, short little dungeon crawler with some unique touch mechanics. I think you can play it, having said that, on, on mobile devices as well. Uh, the Swapper, it's available almost everywhere really beautiful claymation um puzzler it's one i play every 18 months or so because it's four hours and it's truly absorbing for the time that you play it. it's so replayable and finally valhalla um i think 
one of the most highly rated games on Steam. It's also available on Vita and PS4. Really well written. It's just really lovely. Now that is cozy, going back to your favorite word. Nice. It's a real cozy game. Well, there and you... those are my five. Nice. There you have it, everyone. Those are our games of the generation for the Vita and the 3DS, as well as our honorable mentions. Get out there, play some games, have some fun. Uh, and with that... The generation is dead. Long live the generation. Yeah, it's long dead now. <laughs> yeah. uh, 3DS officially died this year, too. They ain't making no more of those. Um, so let's move on to our question time. We have a question from... I've never had to really say users' names out loud, but I hope I'm saying it right. Findorb. Um Findorb asks, do you collect games? If so, why? If not, why not? Um, I'm going to start because I read it. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, come on, guys. All right. Uh, but so I, I, I'm a little weird. Like I do collect and I also don't collect, right? Like I'm, I'm kind of in this odd bundle here where, um, yes, there are some games that I collect. Like for instance, I still have all my uh, Xbox 360 games um, because they're pretty much worthless. Um, like you can't sell those things. There's so many of them out there. Right. Um, and they're sitting in storage somewhere. I have handheld games cause I find that handheld like 3ds games, they never really get cheaper. Um, but at the same time, I've also purged a lot of old things. I had, you know, I had a series of old game boy games and old game boy advance games, but I just kind of purged them because the reality was that batteries were dying in some of the older ones, like the Pokemon games. And look, I'm not playing them in again, you know? And if I am, I have them on the three DS now. So it's like, it was one of those things where I was like, is this just nostalgia talking or is this, um, like actual practicality? So I'm a little ruthless in that way. Um, I had a pretty big PS4 library, but I purged a lot of the physical ones, but I also, but and when I say that I sold them at like almost the price that I paid for them sometimes more because I get them on sales. So like I try to kind of be economical with it where like I'll get a game on sale and then somebody wants to buy it like, you know, for 20 bucks and then someone wants to buy it for 40 and I'm like, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's one of those deals like, and they want it. So I'm fine with it. Um, so that's kind of like what I try to do. Right. Um, I'm more into collecting consoles than I am into collecting individual games. Um, in that sense, like I, I buy all games in a new generation. Um, but I was a king of renting back in the day. I rented all the time, right? I love to just play a game. If it's a game that I love, 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 I'll buy it and keep it. But I'm often just like a, give me the game, play it, say goodbye. It seems such a weird way to go around though, to say I collect consoles, not games. It's like saying, I don't really use cars. I just get the tires. But not really, though, right? Because when you think about it, the console is what drives it. So I just need to have the console to play the games, but I don't necessarily have to keep them when I'm done. You see what I'm saying? Sort of. Sort of. I suppose I get that. I, I, it's probably tricky because I'm exactly just to segue the opposite to mm -hmm. you in the sense that once I've bought something, unless I didn't like it, I'm generally keeping a hold of it. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily call myself a collector. I'd call myself a retainer. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm quite selective physically in terms of the games i buy for console um and, and for console i am very very pro physical um for console and handhelds the vast majority of what i buy is that way and even <clears throat> if it's a game i'm not necessarily going to go back to there is something nice about having it and being able to see it on the shelf as stupid as that is mm -hmm. and barring like a, a a financial disaster i don't think there's a scenario in which i go and, and to use your term purge the games if, if there's a game that i like that i enjoyed playing that i've got i can't see a scenario in which i would i would look to get rid of that 
something I should add, I've moved a ton. Like I've moved all across the country. Yeah. And so a lot of those times I've had to get rid of games. And and I also should say, I probably Mm -hmm. own well over a hundred physical games. So like maybe even almost 200. So like I own a lot of games. (laughs) It's just that (laughs) these days I'm keeping them less depending on the system. Sorry. Yeah, fair enough. It's it's okay. I mean, the the interesting thing with the question is how you define collecting, because yeah. for some people that's you know that there are the people who for some reason have decided they want every game for a particular system, which mm. I get, but I also sort of don't. It's like I've got a catch them all sort of thing. But mm. it's being into the Vita. There are a few people in that window who are like desperate to buy um, Tado Jones or whatever it is, like a Spanish only. Vita game or Handball 2016. It's like, do you really want to play either of those games? And if you don't, from my perspective, are you sort of missing the point? But then that's not necessarily what I would call collecting. It's certainly not necessarily what you would call collecting. It's it's tricky. What about you, Paula? What would you call collecting? Um. And do you do it? I mean, I do consider myself to be a game collector, but uh, I do try to get the games that are interesting to me in one way or another or another um especially like on systems that are like retiring such as the 3ds and the vita right now like uh if i have like disposable uh income for um i do try to get like uh some of the games because like they will go up in price and like the vita the the ps vita store it is it is hell to navigate so like i am not dealing with that and it's the only game in town now because sony decided that they didn't want a functioning online web store yeah yeah i don't know what it, uh, why that is but like i do re- i do like to keep my physical games because it is something that I own and I can always go back to it. Even if the service where they are, uh, and this is like a big reason why I don't, I'm not too keen into like the rentals gaming system. Mm, yeah. um, it's because uh, if that game like disappears from, from the platform, mm-hmm. well, bye bye. Good riddance. Hope you actually got to play it. Um, and that is like a scary prospect. And I do like to keep the games like as a library of sorts mm-hmm. because, like, um, it is like with books for me that um, I like to talk uh, about the things I enjoy with my friends. And if they do happen to have a Vita or a 3DS or whatever system the game is, is on. I just like, okay, um, you know, play this game, take it, uh, give it back in however long it takes to beat it. So, and not gonna lie, like the, the, the biggest, um, I guess fan of the gaming library is my boyfriend because he gets to play like pretty much everything from there. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that, that's a smart play. Um, yeah, and nice. I do uh, let my sister or my nephew or another friend uh, borrow my games from time to time as long as I give it back. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, uh, the Fire Emblem franchise is kind of like that's being I mean. taken hostage by the game, but apparently. Awesome. So- um, oh, sorry. Anything else on there? Uh, okay. Just like, yeah, I like to keep the games because they may not be available on a later that makes sense. Uh, like later in the future, I and agree. I do like to go back. Yeah, sir, I agree with you on that. Like, I- I'll do that for older systems, right? If I find them, like you're saying, um, cheaper. I think it's the modern systems when I just sort of don't really care. Um, but yeah, I agree. Um, okay, thank you very much, uh, Paula, Rick, and me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's move on then. Uh, I think really quickly because we're we're creeping up on one, an hour and a half here. Why don't we just uh, list? Um, what we're playing to give people a sneak peek of what we'll be talking about probably in the next few weeks. Um, I'll Part start. Three, yeah. yeah, I've got, uh, I just got Game Pass, so I'm currently playing The Outer Wilds, SSX, and Gunslinger. What about you, Paula? Uh, I am playing Cleric's Malice Unlimited, a fundus, or a sequel to the original Cleric's Malice. Nice. And Rick? I have got five games on the go that I'm quickly going to roll through. The first one, and I'm going to have a lot of explaining to do if I do end up finishing this game, is Rayman 3 for the GBA. Nice. So far, I'm legitimately liking it more than I like Super Mario World. Cool. Go figure. Uh, Blasphemous on PC. Totally get what you're saying. It's mm-hmm. uh, not a lot of Metroid yet. It's a lot of Venya. And I'm not very far in it, but, but so far, that's the impression I'm getting. Mm-hmm. Um, I've revisited the base game of Control to sweep up some bits I missed the first time around. And also, post-game, they added um, something called the Jukebox. So it's like Gauntlet-style challenges, so I'm doing those. Uh, Mad World on Wii is still great. Mm-hmm. And Shinobi on 3DS, which mechanically is great. Level design is kind of dead. Um, but if I finish it, I'll have more to say. Lots more to say on that. Nice. Okay. And with that, let's get to everyone's favorite game. How, How long, long to be? be the, the game. game. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you actually timed were perfectly on my end. So the audio listeners are probably like, that was so excellent. <laughs> hey. Um, okay. Right. Uh, Paulie, you haven't done the randomize yet, have you? So do you want to do the honors this time? Okie dokie. Uh, Dragon Ball Xenoverse. Oh, Dragon Ball Xenoverse. Ooh. Okay. Xenoverse. Okay. There. Interesting. Nice. Um... <laughs> Any of you want to start? I <laughs> because I had no idea. <laughs> I, um... I'm gonna say main game twenty hours, main game plus twenty six, and that's me. I'm I'm saying two. Yeah, I I know for a fact that the Xenoverse one hundred percent is probably batshit high. Like this is a crazy big game. Uh lord almighty i'm gonna go with something like 22 for main and i'm just i'm gonna say 30 for main plus but that's that's what i'm gonna go for what do you think paula um i'm trying to think um oh who is keeping track of this me i've got it don't okay. worry um oh my god i'm just gonna say main plus yeah, main plus. Um, I'm gonna say twenty-seven. Okay. Okay, and we're all we're all happy with the numbers we've picked, are we? No, but yeah, yes. No idea, but <laughs> yeah, happy enough to be going on with. Let's try that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all right, you want to reveal um, it to us, there, Paula? 
Okay, main story, 17 hours. Main story plus 31 hours and a half. Completionist, 92 hours and a half. And I'll play Stells is 28. I think we all failed. Wow. Yeah, no, no points this week. No points that, this week. I got That's close no to main plus. Uh, but main story miss. I knew it. I knew the completionist was insanity on in this one. <laughs> I was like, it's definitely up there in like the nineties or hundreds. Uh, dang it. Uh, well, there you go, everybody. That's it for this week's episode. We suck at this game. We're very bad. Well, not you know. Rick and I are both <laughs> Me equally and Rick good are at this both game. Yourself, <laughs> <Yeah>. Paula. <laughs> uh... All right. See you later, Bye. everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.